G'day and welcome to the Cultivate Farms podcast. Sam Marwood here and thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We're thinking of as many ways to get you onto your farm or help you to step back and we really hope you find all this information useful and inspiring. Let's get you farming. G'day everybody, Sam Marwood here from Cultivate Farms uh, and we are finding as many ways as possible uh, to make it uh, possible for you to own a farm. Uh, we are trawling the internet, we're talking to the experts across the country uh, and today we're unpacking a topic that a lot of people have been discussing. Uh, we don't know much about it but we think could be an amazing avenue uh, for you to at least co-own your farm and potentially with others uh, and it's through a thing called self-managed super funds which I think most of you have heard about. Everyone's probably got some, some sort of super. Uh, you can manage it yourself. That is possible to use uh, to buy farmland uh, and to unpack this with us we've got Andrew Grinzel from Cooey Wealth Partners. Uh, Andrew thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Now did I pronounce your last name correctly mate? Spot on. Spot on beautiful. Uh, so Andrew is an expert in self-managed super funds. I've got a stack of questions uh, we caught up a couple of weeks ago just to unpack this. Uh, we were connected uh, by an aspiring farmer who has worked with Andrew around this very topic. Uh, so we know uh, you guys are keen to find out. So we're just going to go through it. I'm going to act as naive as I can be around self-managed super because I actually am. Uh, but I think most people uh, struggling to get their head around it. It doesn't seem uh, as hard as I first thought just from our discussions. The angle I'm going to approach this from is, is from two. is one from an aspiring farmer. So someone who's probably got a little bit of cash, uh, Andrew, that's saved up in super and the other is uh, maybe far, uh, people who are ret near retirement, I guess, and trying to think what they could do with their super and maybe love the idea of using that to back an aspiring farmer. So they're the two angles I'll be thinking about uh, during our discussion, mate. Um, All right, excellent. Sounds good. But to kick us off, why are you so interested in self-managed super? Is it one day you woke up and you thought it's a really cool thing to, to look into? What's your, what's your background? Yeah, so uh, about uh, 12 years ago, just before the global financial crisis started, I was working with one of the, uh, the major financial institutions uh, here in Sydney and uh, was working in their self-managed super fund admin and accounting area. After that, I, uh, I left uh, to go and become a financial planner and it just continued the theme uh, from there of working with clients around self-managed super funds uh, as well as other areas that fit in with their overall financial needs. That's great. Um, and so far, so farm um, uh, or buying farms has been part of the mix of the self-managed super funds that you've been looking into? Yeah, we've had a few clients over the years that have gone down that path. Mm -hmm. uh, so certainly uh, help clients uh, purchase farms uh, within their SMSF uh, as well as other business assets, uh, real property and uh, yeah, done a bit there. All right. Well, let's go back very to start around super and the concept of self-managed super funds. So uh, I think it's by law everyone has to have superannuation if you're employed and you have to be um, squirreling some away yourself if you're self-employed. Um, what is self-managed super funds? So there's, there's either you hand it over to someone else or you do it yourself. Is that as crude as it gets? Yeah, almost. So uh, if you think about superannuation, it's just a tax structure. It's not an investment. Uh, it's just a very tax-effective way for a lot of people to be able to save for retirement. Uh, within superannuation, we've obviously got the major funds that we see, like your retail funds, your Australian supers, uh, your REST, CBUS, those sort of guys. Uh, but then you've got uh, people who decide that they actually want to take control of their own superannuation and uh, 
go and set up their own super fund and that's a self-managed super fund rather than leaving it to their the big funds to do. Okay, so what are the what's the thought process for most people to take that leap? Are they thinking, oh, I feel like I want to have more control over this, or or are they coming from a farming point of view, like, oh, hey, there's a there's money sitting there that I'd love to be able to utilize somewhere? What's the what's the main thought process that makes people leap into SMSFs? Yeah, there can definitely be a few different drivers for it. Normally, it's people looking for a greater control and transparency over how their superannuation is invested, or to get access to investments with their superannuation that they just can't do through uh, a standard superannuation fund. So, yep, could be farmers, uh, could be somebody who needs an industrial warehouse for their manufacturing business and they decide, you know what, I've got my super sitting there, I'm going to go and get it set up and, uh, and buy the warehouse through the SMSF. Uh, cost controls can be another reason behind it, really just depends uh, on what makes sense for the super fund members. So, just to confirm, can farmland be purchased through self-managed super fund? Yes. Um, yes, it can. Sorry? And, uh, yes, absolutely, it can be. Uh, so, uh, any type of property can actually be purchased through a self-managed super fund, and uh, farmland can be part of that. All you need to do is just make sure that any uh, investments that are made within a self-managed super fund do satisfy what's called the sole purpose test. So, you need to make sure that when you're buying that farmland, it is actually with the intent of being able to provide retirement benefits to the members mm -hmm. of the self-managed super fund, uh, and it needs to fit in with the fund's overall investment strategy. So you want to make sure that you've given decent consideration to what the actual needs are of the fund members, things like diversification, make sure you're not putting all your eggs in one basket, uh, liquidity. Uh, as long as those items are taken care of and you can demonstrate that farmland makes for a good investment and is going to help the members achieve their retirement needs, then yes, it can be purchased. Okay, great. So what about the, what about the business that sits on top of the, the farm? Is that part of it or is that in exclusion? So livestock, tractors? Yeah, so unfortunately an SMSF can't run a farming business. We do need to separate the, uh, the farming business and the farmland. So typically what you'll see is the self-managed super fund will own the farmland and then it will lease that land back to the business that carries on the, the farming business. So you know, that could be a company, individuals, family trust. Uh, they do need to be separated though. And that sounds pretty straightforward. That's probably a lot of how people have their businesses structured anyways, two entities or a couple, or three entities. Or, um, but that sounds, that sounds reasonable to me. Um, so we talked about those restrictions. Um, there's something I, I hear that you there's a like a, a blanket sort of rule you can't enjoy it. Is that one of the um, restrictions uh, on, yeah. on on having a self managed super fund in general? Yeah, that's right. So we can't be setting up a self managed super fund to obtain a, a present day benefit. It does need to meet that sole purpose of providing retirement benefits. So that does mean uh, no hobby farms. Uh, you need to be able to demonstrate that it is um, serving an investment purpose for the, the retirement benefit of members. So living on in a house on the farm? Living in a house on the farm is actually, uh, generally you can't live in an investment property that's owned by an SMSF. But uh, there is an exemption there for primary production businesses, uh, provided that the house and other personal use areas don't take up more than two hectares, uh, and that the remainder of the uh, the land is available for for business use or farming use. Mm. Then, uh, yeah, the members of the SMSF can live in the farmhouse. Yeah, that's very reasonable. Okay, yep. um, uh, this is very interesting. Um, what about risks? So, um, let's say I've got two hundred thousand. Uh, I'm uh, I'm in my forties. Um, 
and I'm thinking about unlocking my super for my land. What are the, some of the risks you'd, you'd tell me um, thinking going into this? Yeah, so with any financial strategy, there's always going to be risk to consider. But obviously, using the self-managed super fund, there's a couple of other things that we need to think about. So if you're putting all of your personal resources into setting up a farming business and then you decide to tap into your superannuation to buy the farmland, you really are using all of your resources for that, uh, that one venture. So the success of that venture is uh, going to be, uh, you know, quite important for the overall uh, to, to minimise the risk. Uh, you know, one of the golden rules of investing is not to put all your eggs in one basket. So just need to put that in mind uh, and think about other ways to diversify and where you're allocating your, your assets. Uh, the other thing that we need to think about with using a self-managed super fund to buy farmland is that it's very difficult to borrow against the farmland to fund the ongoing operations of the business. So that can be quite restrictive from a capital point of view. Uh, just needs to be considered. Um, so who would you recommend should consider this? Is it, is it just someone who does have, um, so it sounds like you've got to have a, a little bit of money, um, you've got to be thinking about um, diversifying, um, but are there any really other restrictions? Like there's no geographical restrictions. It's um, it's it's mainly are you are you mitigating risk and, and spreading spreading your risk of your investments? Is that just the main thing? Just really? have a well thought out strategy. And if you can document why it makes sense, uh, that will go to alleviate some of those restrictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, each um, property purchase would have to be considered on its own merits before you could actually go down the path of using a self managed super fund. Uh, there's quite a few restrictions around borrowing in an SMSF. Uh, typically, you can't borrow uh, as higher level against the value of the property as what you might be able to outside of an SMSF. Mm-hmm. So uh, that does reduce borrowing capacity there. The other thing is each loan can only be used to buy a single acquirable asset. So what that means is if you're buying farmland that's on multiple titles, it could potentially mean multiple loan arrangements mm-hmm. to be able to structure the purchase. But that also can create some opportunity because it means you might be able to structure part of the land, land ownership inside super or part of the land ownership outside of super. Okay. Okay. So you mix and match your investment streams, I guess. Uh, yeah, depending on the resources of the, uh, the aspiring farmer or um, you know, what it is that they're trying to purchase. So mm-hmm. you really just need to sit down and look at... Um, look at your overall situation and see how an SMSF would work. It's not going to work for everyone, but it would be very beneficial for a lot of people. And maybe we should pause here and just reiterate, or we haven't even mentioned it, but you, you really should get a professional um, doing this. You, you can have a crack yourself, I understand, but Andrew, but um, yeah. having someone who's done this before is probably very, very handy. Yeah, absolutely. So if you get it wrong, the, the consequences of that can be uh, many, many times the cost of having got uh, or received professional advice up front and getting it right the first time. Makes sense to me. All right, now uh, let's say I'm, I'm getting excited, I'm listening to this, I'm going, oh, yep. I've got a little bit of money and uh, I want to buy a farm. Uh, what should I be putting aside in terms of cost of setting something else up compared to just putting into you know, the traditional super, uh, super funds? Um, you know, setting up and also the management. Are we talking a two hundred percent increase in, in, in ongoing costs? Like, or uh, to, really yeah. depends on the value, like how much you've actually got inside super. Because okay. the traditional super funds typically charge fees as a percentage of uh, the value of your super, so that could be anywhere from about half a percent up to about two percent per annum. 
uh, and maybe a, a flat admin fee of a couple of dollars a week. So SMSFs are very different in that they uh, generally charge a flat dollar fee uh, and these fees will range really depending on the level of service that you're after. There are a few online solutions getting around that are under $1,000 a year, uh, very limited in terms of the um, professional advice that you get from that, uh, if any advice at all, uh, whereas full service offering could cost upwards of $3,000 a year. That's got to be weighed up, though, against the tax benefits of using an SMSF. So, yes, the upfront cost might be, uh, an ongoing cost might be a bit higher, but you could be saving quite substantially on the tax side of things to really justify incurring that expense. Okay, well, um, let's unpack that tax side of things, Andrew. What do you, what do you mean there? What's um, some of the benefits there? Yeah, absolutely. So, a self-managed super fund has, and all superannuation actually, it has the advantage of uh, income being taxed at the rate of 15%. So, uh, that can be quite a lot lower than personal tax rates or company tax rates, which are at 27.5 or 30%. Mm -hmm. uh, so what would happen there is uh, the farming business would make tax-deductible rental payments to the SMSF. SMSF then pays tax at a rate of 15%. Uh, the other issue that we've got to consider, or other benefit to consider, is with an SMSF, uh, if you hold on to that farmland until retirement, so say you're over the age of 65 or 70 and you say, you know what, that's it, I've had enough, I'm going to sell the farm and leave, it's actually no capital gains tax payable if you're in pension phase on that. There are a few restrictions around the, you know, the total value that you can have in that pension phase, but you potentially have a very large uh, portion of the, uh, the farm sold without uh, any capital gains tax payable. Mm, this is all, um, this sounds great. Um... All right, so uh, the fees aren't too ridiculous. You've got an expert on board. Um, that, I guess they'll guide you through the next steps. Andrew, you can either, you, as you just mentioned, there's an online, you know, do this online, which I assume you can do with most things in life nowadays. Um, yep. But uh, if you've got an expert on board, they're the ones who will who'll guide you through all these steps. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I'd recommend anybody who's considering doing this to, uh, to actually sit down with a financial planner and their account. You've got to make sure you've got the right structures in place uh, all the documentation is appropriately signed off. Things aren't set up correctly, as I said before, it can really cost you a lot of money. So, got to get it right first time. Uh, yeah, so mm -hmm. definitely worthwhile getting that professional advice and make sure that whoever you're getting the advice from is actually uh, qualified and has experience in dealing with the type of advice that you're after. Yeah, that, uh, that makes sense. So, what about... Um Trying to think some barriers, and they probably maybe mental barriers, maybe is the main thing. What's, what stops most people from pursuing this? Um, is it just a lack of knowledge? Because I, I do a lot of Googling around farm and farm investment, Andrew, and we quickly spoke about this the other day as well. Like, it doesn't feel like there's much information around stuff when it's super in there, in the... Um, context of, of buying a farm is that probably the main thing it's just knowledge what's the what's stopping yeah, i think there's a general lack of awareness so i mean i've spoken to uh quite a few people around this who weren't even aware that you can have a farm in an smsf and still live in a farmhouse okay uh, yep. uh, so lack of knowledge is definitely one thing the other thing is you've got to have the the funds available in the smsf to actually make it worthwhile so either you've already got enough superannuation in there to be able to proceed with a property purchase, maybe with a bit of a loan attached to it, or you've got to have the personal assets that you're willing to contribute to the super fund in order to, to get it up to that sufficient size where you can actually uh, put it to use um, in purchasing farmland. Um, there is one question I wanted to ask earlier, and I'll ask it now. Um, what if I got... There was a, uh, an aspiring farmer, actually, who put a post up just the other day, just... Um, 
had this concept and I wasn't really familiar with it saying, hey, I want to, I'm looking into SMSF. Uh, is anyone else interested in putting their money together? So can you, can you pull money? Can you put other people's money in with yours around this fund? What's, what's yeah, so the self-managed super fund at the moment, has, they have a limitation of um, four members per fund. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only restriction around that is that you can't have your own employees as members of your SMSF unless you're uh, your family members. Uh, there is a proposal at the moment for the maximum number of SMSF members to be increased up to uh, up to six. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, we've got to uh, see if the current government's actually around long enough to be able to legislate that. So it sounds like your mum and dad and your sister. Fantastic. That's a, um, Absolutely. Uh, siblings certainly can get in there. Parents. Uh, yeah, there's definitely uh, options to, to be able to pull your resources. Imagine four aspiring farmers coming together. Uh, okay, this is. Um, I'm loving all this, Andrew. Um, well, talking about aspiring farmers, uh, a case study uh, would be great uh, if you can. If you're happy to to outline some sort of details, not divulging all the details, but um, yeah, some absolutely. sort of a high level outline would be really great, just to give people a flavour of, of how something like this might unfold for them. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, most recently, a couple of my clients, uh, Nikki and Kyle, they decided that uh, they wanted to uh, move back to uh, regional uh, New South Wales and uh, go back to the farm life. Uh, Nikki had grown up on farms and sort of moved to Sydney and uh, decided that uh, over the next few years they want to make that move back. So we decided uh, for them the best way to purchase the uh, the farmland was through setting up a self-managed super fund and uh, proceeding to make the, the purchase there. We've subsequently uh, set up a company that uh, will operate the farming business and uh, that uh, that company is paying rent to the self-managed super fund and Nikki and Kyle live in the farmhouse and uh, continue to manage the property. Wow. What was, the, um, what was the journey just emotionally for them? Was it like, oh, we've got no way of owning this farm to what? There's a self-managed super fund? It was yeah. like- I think what worked well for them was that uh, we were reluctant to take on the debt uh, personally to be able to to go and make the farm purchase, whereas we had a substantial amount of of equity sitting in the self-managed super fund that uh, that could be used for that. So Mm -hmm. rather than borrowing the total purchase price uh, outside of super and carrying that debt burden, they were able to uh, get basically uh, go in and make the purchase debt-free. Now, not everybody's going to be able to go and buy farmland without taking on a loan, but uh, if you've got 200000 or 300000 sitting in a self-managed super fund that you can put towards the farm purchase, then uh, potentially a lot less debt you have to carry. And it just seems to make, just thinking about them as a case study, it just seems to make sense, doesn't it, that you've, you've got your heart set on a farm, um, you've probably got some other savings, you've been thinking about this for years, um, life situation changes, so you can take the leap. Uh, and then you find you've got a few hundred thousand bucks in super that you all of a sudden is available. I mean, that um, must have been a great a great thing for them to discover and, and go through. Absolutely. So for them, they've been able to see their, uh, their dream that they've had for a number of years actually come together. And uh, we're just working through the process now of them actually making that move to the farm uh, and leaving Sydney. And uh, they're really looking forward to it. Uh, yeah, quite exciting times for them. That is brilliant. Um, all right, I've got a few more uh, questions, Andrew. I'm lo- I'm loving this. Um, Excellent. Um, so let's let's say the money. Let's have to say I've done it um, and yep. I put the my uh, money into the self managed super, uh, and I want to something happens. I uh, 
I'm going to need to pay for a hospital bill or whatever, um, and I'm not at retirement age yet. Can I get the money out? Is it stuck there forever? Yeah, getting money out of superannuation before retirement is difficult. There is compassionate grounds or financial hardship that can be mm-hmm. exercised. Uh, very restrictive, though, so it's uh, very much a last resort. Uh, so one thing to yeah, think about is if you're going to take some of your personal funds and move that into a superannuation fund, uh, the, the restriction on access has definitely got to be a consideration. So I definitely encourage anybody uh, thinking about doing that to make sure that they keep, so keep enough cash outside of super to uh, you know, save for a rainy day should those sort of situations arise. Mm, okay, that's very uh, that's a very good one to think about. Um, anything else? What else should we be considering when you're using an SMSF? Andrew, have I asked there's some question I haven't asked that you wish you need to unpack? Yeah, so probably one of the main things to think about is if you decide that you're going to leave a traditional superannuation fund and move your money over to an SMSF, just bear in mind that uh, you may potentially have insurance coverages that uh, exist within your existing super fund, so yeah. your default life insurance yeah. or permanent disablement. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. a decision needs to be made as to whether or not you, uh, you try and keep that superannuation fund running uh, so that you keep the cover or... If you go and make alternative arrangements, uh, especially uh, you know, if you're looking to take on a bit of debt to, to get your, your farming business up and running, we want to make sure that uh, you and your family are well protected if, uh, if you're not around to earn an income. That's a good point. So you can have a couple. You can have the SMSF and you can still keep your old one, have some money in there just to cover off those insurances. That's, that's Yeah, we certainly do that for a lot of clients, uh, especially if they've got rather reasonable uh, insurance coverage in their existing super fund. Otherwise, we can take out new policies within the SNSF. Uh, It really depends on the arrangement. If you've got a few different farmers going in, uh, aspiring farmers going into the one SNSF together, uh, you've got to think about issues around, you know, if one of them were to pass away, how do the the remaining farmers actually come up with cash to pay out the the surviving, uh, you know, sorry, the, the deceased uh, from the SMSF so that uh, the whole farm doesn't have to be sold off. Mm. Uh, so you've really got to make sure you've got the right structures in place to be able to deal with that. Again, that's why you should get your experts in. Um, Absolutely. We um, we encourage our aspiring farmers to pitch farm investments to investors um, and it feels like it would be good to know, um, in a way, are you pitching to the powers of B that this is a financially viable opportunity? Like what level of... Um, uh, scrutiny is placed on it to show that you can actually pay a lease on it, for example. Who, who do you have to convince? So how does all that work around financial viability? Yeah. So if, if you're looking to just buy the farmland and uh, lease out the, the farmland to an unrelated uh, party, you definitely want to make sure that they have the ability to actually make lease repayments. Uh, it does take a while to get a new tenant on, uh, on farmland compared to, uh, say, a two-bedroom apartment in Sydney or Melbourne. Uh, so Definitely want to uh, do your due diligence on uh, on any tenants. Now, if um, you know you're looking to, to set up the self-managed super fund and uh, lease it to to your own farming business, then uh, certainly you would have uh, you'd hope you've done your due diligence and uh, your business plan and everything to make sure that what you're doing is actually a viable opportunity. So, are there any consequences though? Let's say you're setting up a farm and maybe there's four years of drought or something, you can't afford to pay the lease, or um, what? What are the, the ramifications? I guess from that side of things. Yeah, so uh, there's going to be issues around uh, the fact that the related party or the farming business actually has to pay rent at market rates. So uh, you have to give consideration to that. Uh, It does get into a very tricky area because if the the farming business is not paying 
uh, rent at market rates, there can be uh, some quite hefty tax consequences levied upon the self-managed super fund. So definitely a risk. Mm, okay. Uh, and what about a minimum? Um, I, uh, I saw another post the other day, someone suggesting 200000 was a minimum to set up yeah. SMS. So it, it's quite a uh, contentious issue in the industry at the moment, the, the minimum uh, size required to do a self-managed super fund. Ultimately, it really comes down to why are you setting up a self-managed super fund. Uh, if you're just setting up a self-managed super fund to go and invest into managed funds that are run in a very similar way to your existing superannuation fund, then... Uh, you definitely argue that you need quite a substantial balance to do it. If you've got a, a more direct reason for doing it, like buying farmland, you probably argue that you know, an SMSF might be an option at a, at a lesser value than 200000 but you've got to think about the fixed costs of running the SMSF and uh, whether or not that makes sense. But uh, it's just got to be weighed up on a case-by-case basis to see you know, if it is a sound investment decision. Mm. Well, I think that's a great way to wrap this up. I think... For me, it sounds like it, 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 well, it's an opportunity. It's, a, it's something you can explore. It's probably opened up a whole new thought process for many people watching or listening now. Uh, and it sounds like there's plenty of benefits, but there are also uh, a lot of restrictions as well, Andrew, as you've outlined. So I reckon you, if you're an aspiring farmer or farmer, someone looking to buy a farm, I encourage you to check this out. It, um, it could be a, a real win. I love the idea of, of working with a few people to pull your investments um, but make sure you get your advisors on board. Um, Andrew, are um, you happy for people to contact you if they've got um, some questions around around this? Have got an email address? Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we might just put up uh, some details afterwards if you right. don't mind. I just have right. to, what's uh, the best way to, to handle those inquiries? Right. And uh, yeah, absolutely. Mate, well, thank yeah. you very much. We do appreciate your time. Uh, I'm sure there are a lot of people who uh, are thinking very uh hard about whether they should uh, uh, look into this. It could be a whole new avenue to realise your farm ownership dream. So thanks once again, Andrew, and uh, hopefully we maybe we'll follow up with some more successes in the future. All right, excellent. Great chatting to you. Thanks, Sam. Cheers, mate. Thanks. Thanks for your attention. We know there are thousands of other things you could be doing or other podcasts you could be listening to, but you've chosen to listen to us. We appreciate your time so much. Please reach out uh, as we're happy to work through your farm ownership pathway with you. Let's get you farming.